0: Hello and thank you for joining me today for episode one of series three of Art on a Podcast. I hope you're very well and that you enjoyed the last series. It's been such a great thing to do, to speak to artists about what they're getting up to while being trapped indoors. Um, some some of them have said that they're used to isolating themselves for weeks on end to work, um, being... Uh, artists that work in that type of way, and others have a practice that really depends on interacting with people and spaces in certain ways that that they can 't now um so yeah it 's been interesting just seeing how everyone 's been managing i myself i 've have so many projects films and plays and crafty things that I start and then i put down and then i pick up pages later and you know it's been it's been really good and uh, to see how others have been managing it i think the overall takeaway is that it's really good to have a good space that you can work in even if uh you know we we're, we're not all got the luxury of uh, huge studios myself included in that but even just to have a little a little desk or um somewhere in the house that you find it easy to um that you just set out as that's your working space. That seems very important. Um, but then also pretty much everyone has said that they're also not adding pressure on themselves and that pressure kills creativity. So if you don't feel up to it, then take it easy, don't be hard on yourself, and maybe listen to a <clears throat> good arts podcast. Um, <laughs> that can keep you or you can find some inspiration in. Um such as this one. But anyway, um, it's exciting to be starting a new series and it's all building up to our summer auction filled with such wonderful artworks from artists across the world. Um, such interesting stuff coming in and uh, and it's all starting at just £50 uh, for each work um, and 100% of it, of course, as always, goes to the Hepatitis C Trust as you may well know by now. You can take a look at all the artworks on our website, artonapostcard.com. Um it's such a vibrant and exciting exhibition this summer, including huge names like Jake Chapman, Julian Opie, Oda Laval, but also some artists that are making waves in the artwork um art world, sorry, more emerging names like Molly Brocklehurst, who's done an extraordinary work using her process of painting from vintage photographs. Um, And some of you will have listened to the Ben Edge podcast last series um, and got very excited about his work. Well, I'm excited to say that he's participating and his cards um, engage with all the folkloric mystical stuff that we spoke about in the podcast. So take a look um and as i say all bidding starts at 50 pounds and will be done through druitt's auction house who specialize in fine art auctions if you're liking the podcast then this is what it's all for um so do check it out um and give us a follow on instagram we'll be we'll be sharing all of the um cards as they come in um at art and a and we're always sharing gorgeous art some art history stuff some quotes um from famous artists and you'll be the first to know as well if you do follow us and potentially subscribe to our mailing list which you can do so through our website we are we're always putting out limited edition prints as well we just did one with sarah pope that was a huge success and via our shop our shop is the same website Artonapostcard.com and, and again all proceeds of what you buy there also go to the Hepsey Trust. Um, today's episode is with one of our participating artists for the summer auction, Loter Gertz. Loter's practice ranges from site-specific wall paintings to room-sized installations to paintings and drawings um, on much smaller scales. His work constantly references architecture and space. His painting is characterised by its use of abstract geometric forms, lines of intense colour juxtaposed with one another. Um, We talk about its use of colour, actually, and, interestingly, the politics of using certain colours in certain public spaces, uh, which I found really interesting, Um, because I guess we'd, we'd probably you know, in day-to-day life, we might just kind of think of colour as being something apolitical. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's re- really interesting. And and, and he, we also talk about his interest in theatre and architecture. Um, Lothar is really an interesting person to chat to in that he's extremely rigorous and thorough in his practice. Um, we chat about his work in Eastbourne on the Towner Gallery. Um, and I really, I urge you, either now as you're listening or after the podcast just to go even just on Google images or whatever and just type in Town Gallery Eastbourne to Gertz and just take a look it's absolutely incredible how much he's managed to um reinvent the space and just completely play with your perception of an of, of, of a huge building and it's honestly some of the best size specific painting I've ever actually seen um and his cards are easy to spot in the auction. Um too. He's donated four four cards, um, all using his with his brilliant use of colour and well balanced composition and um and so yeah, if you have any thoughts, let me know what you think at rosa.tau at uk. And please, if you're liking the podcast, do make sure you like, subscribe, share, tell your friends about it as it all comes back to the charity in the end. I really hope you enjoy the first episode. Um, It's going to be a great series and I'll see you on the other side. Lota, how are you doing during quarantine?
1: Well, it's okay. I mean, I have ups and downs, I would say. I have days where I get used to it and I think, oh yeah, uh, that's... I I cope well and then sometimes you get these waves of anxiety or of something where it feels really really weird Um, uh, and I mean it's particularly in the morning I find it quite quite difficult when you get up and then you think oh it's but we have such a nice weather now and you want to be happy and you think oh it's great and then you, you think about that horror out there and then it feels very strange.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I almost sometimes have about five minutes where mm-hmm. I, I don't even remember that it's happened and then I all of a sudden get the realisation again. It's just been a, yeah, pros- yeah. a process of realisation <laughs> over
1: yeah, and over. similar, you, you go out, I mean, we have a little garden and it's so beautiful and then you, then you go out and the magnolia is flowering and then you have that moment where you just think, oh, fantastic. And I want to go out now. <laughs> and yeah. And then you realize, oh no, that's not, and, and it's a it's a very strange contradiction of feelings. So, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. And,
0: uh, um, and I was going to say, you're, you're used to working on such a large scale um, and in multiple spaces. Um, and obviously now being in the, the, the one space, um, are, are you focusing now more on, on the canvas-sized works? Are you able to create at the moment? Well, it's I am I am able
1: to work. I mean, I would say for me, kind of work-wise, what I do, it's not that bad, or it it doesn't have such a huge impact because I'm used to work on my own in my studio as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, as an artist, you 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 usually are on your own, and you I work for. For days, whatever, just in my studio, and that's I—I I would completely forget there isn't a big difference. But mm. of course, it feels a little bit strange because you work at the moment. All projects are cancelled. I mean, everything basically for the whole year now, and you—you you don't know. Um, <laughs> shall I actually do anything? <laughs> <laughs> or or, or no. But I mean, I have this practice, which is which well, which has two parts. On and, and one thing is. I mean, I have the, the and what I'm most whatever, known for are the big site-specific wall paintings, mm. and they are very physical, and for me it's very important to be on the site. I constantly always say I make all, this, all decisions really on site, and it's that physical experience of a building which is, which is the key aspect for that. That's all at the moment, of course, not possible to go somewhere. I mean, I have one project which should be coming up at the Holden Gallery in, in Manchester in summer. Yeah. I don't know if that will happen at that time. But, uh, I mean, I mean, all these things, they, they would be on hold now. But I'm, I'm not working constantly on site. So lots of the work is preparation in the studio and is right. doing drawings. And that's all possible. So I, I still have enough projects where i'm working on and there I, w- I would hardly feel a difference that's that's fine and i as well can i mean i have a little studio at home and then my my physically my studio is in 45 minutes walking distance so I can go there and occasionally I do that and go there because it's then I combine them basically my daily exercise or there is as well a supermarket on the way then I could do the shopping (laughs) and I can walk there and in the studio I'm literally on my own so I'm isolating there anyway yeah I can't even open a window in these studios so it's a and it's completely self contained. So that's, that's fine. And so I'm, I, I am, what I'm doing at the moment is either working in the studio uh, and work there on small paintings, or yes. I'm working on sketching. And uh, as well, there is, I'm working on a publication, which is a bit late, which was for a project which happened in Lubeck last year. And right. so we are finalizing this. This is all possible to do online. Uh, okay. I think it but it's more the kind of the mental aspect which is strange because you you feel at everything you I I think it it feels a bit weird yeah.
0: Yeah definitely it does Um. so I wanted to ask you when did you first start painting the big works the room-sized and the murals um, on buildings? Space is often such a luxury as we now are all very much feeling so it's not often something that you know, art students might have access to. How did you first uh, come to this practice? Well, I
1: started that actually as a student. I mean, I started first in Germany, and then I came to London to the um, the RCA. And I did that, I did my first wall paintings while I was a student in Germany. And uh, I think, I mean, I was there, quite I mean I was always interested in architecture I was interested in 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 uh, theatre as well I was interested in lots of lots of right. art forms which dealt with space and mm. could for a long time not really identify with really being a painter on a canvas I mean it was kind of I felt in between lots of different art forms
0: right.
1: uh, and the wall painting started because I um, not, not that much that I was interested so, so much in that geometric form, what I'm painting, but in this dialogue between myself uh, and the space itself and what's happening in there. So I was really interested, let's say there is a staircase or there was a room and I was interested in changing that or, or making a slight intervention into that. Yeah. And the, the, the first projects I did... Uh, that I was just looking for spaces wherever I was and it was quite fairly easy to find some spaces when you don't have whatever when when you don't have big demands and you say it must be that perfect wall or it must be the perfect white cube and then I'm bringing my colors into that I, I was fairly happy to have a really dodgy old wall and <laughs> my first projects there were in between, there were lines in between old radiators in old schools. I did mm. lots of projects in social, uh, uh, in social environments where I think the space itself was probably not that much a luxury or a luxury space. I mean these spaces do exist everywhere or I went to rents houses and said do you have something i mean i did installations in kitchens and in in, in small flats and mm. painted the ceiling when there was no wall space uh and it was this interaction what happens when you paint i mean one, one of the, the first projects they, they were very much about the dialogue bringing something which is abstract into a, a usual daily life environment, and often it was really very contradicting. I mean, I I, I did projects in completely overcrowded flats. I mean, where ev- everything was full with furniture, and mm. or a bedroom where there was hardly any space where someone just lived in a room and then did an abstract painting in a corner or on a ceiling. Mm. Um, yeah. So wow. so these were the first works and how it started, and then. Uh, I looked as well then for, I mean the, the first works were very often that I, I actively applied in off spaces or in, in rooms or somewhere uh, to do a wall painting and I must say at the beginning quite often people thought oh we get Lota and then we get the space renovated uh, <laughs> because I had to repair the walls. Uh, and, the first projects I did was really hard work, and was quite labor, uh, often to get a wall or places first prepared so that I could actually paint um, a flat surface on it. Or that when you when you how how work to get a to get a crisp line, you have to to prime the walls and then you had to repaint them. Uh, but so I I was there quite open and had there an approach where I thought every wall is good enough there isn't a wall which i would say i don't like that because i then started to use all the all elements which were there which one usually probably say they are not ideal for a wall to present a work let's say like like old pipes or um or some cracks or a funny window yeah and i i was but i was very interested in these let's say, they're not really architectural details, but they're just details of a space, which mm-hmm. quite often just <clears throat> happen to be there.
0: Yes, and, yes.
1: And really to use them as a starting point. And I still do that nowadays as well in the, the work like which I did in um, uh, at, at the town or in Eastbourne, that, I mean, there it was a perfect facade I'm working with, but the work itself for the for the composition, it's exactly the details it's the windows and things which is there, which I use as starting point to make the composition.
0: Right, right. In that, in that sense, I can totally see your, um, as you described when you were um, a student, you had an interest in theater as well, because in that sense, there definitely is a dialogue going on between the paint and the space and almost as though the, uh, the, the building or the site is the set, and then the paint is the dancer or the paint is the performer yes exactly i mean
1: that's a very good description how i feel or or what my approach or or is to the to the painting i mean uh movement uh, I mean, I see them often as a kind of dance with colour or a dance with abstract forms. I mean, I, I personally, I, I was very much in love with dance and I did train as a dancer when I was younger. Right, uh, okay. Never made it to the real professional level because mm. I started too late and wasn't good enough probably and, uh, <laughs> and, and was quite a bit frustrated with that. But dance was very, I mean, important for me and I still uh, later then loved to dance it was then more clubbing and, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but movement and dance and going around is for me a key aspect of that and I I completely see that often as as like um, I mean like in at the towner uh, it's I always I, I, I said that uh, quite in a few interviews uh, it's for me like decorating that space for a, a festival or a performance and itself the, the colors they are moving around and mm. with lots, of, lots of projects i mean when they're indoors it is a bit where i said oh the 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 viewer actually should move around because you you could always make i mean even if it's probably let's say just three stripes or four triangles on a wall they always change a lot According where from where you look at, yeah. I mean from where you, from where you, you you your point of view is, and for me, the works or the the actual work does not end where the painting ends. It's the whole let's say if it's outside like the town, it's the whole building, and that's then as well. It's including the surrounding. The street becomes important. Yes, and the social aspect of. The, the, the whole environment and but that's similar in a in a gallery setting as well where I never know where the work ends because mm. when, when someone let's say there is a green wall and a person comes in and wears a yellow jumper then the work changes mm. because that person becomes for me part of the work in that moment mm-hmm. and very often spaces act like a stage set or they are a bit they become like yeah, like a performance or this interaction between the viewer and the set.
0: Yeah, and yeah. And that's
1: something which interests me very much, these, these interactions and these moments where something is just um, changing very quickly. And as well, what, what I said before, I mean, this combination or this, um, let's say, um, encounter between elements from... Let's call it high art or 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 minimalism in in the world i mean in, 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 the, in the in the sense of of art history uh, in the art historical term, but or then with the with with colors used in com- a complete normal daily life setting or uh, i mean I mean it could be then than anything I mean if someone comes in and and has a green trolley then suddenly. That green changes yeah. when it 's in combination with the uh, with the color which is an artwork and and the color itself is no longer just an abstract painting; it becomes something else. It, I think it becomes i mean i mean when you do a painting on canvas or somewhere and then it 's hanging somewhere that usually stays. As a, if you paint there a red square or a blue triangle, this stays a blue triangle. Mm. Whether the moment this is painted on a wall in a way so that it incorporates the whole room, suddenly it becomes something else. Uh, It's not just an artwork. It's becoming like, I mean, like a decorative element. I I would say in a in a room, and which is then taken away from that. Let's say from the um, plinth or that that of of high art.
0: Mm, yeah, this is definitely apparent in your uh, dance diagonal uh, in two thousand and nine in Eastbourne. Um, it absolutely took my breath away. The swooping colours totally play with my sense of perception when I'm looking at it. What was it like to take over the entire building? And when given a building to paint. How do you decide where to take it
1: well i mean the the, the town of was of course an extraordinary um uh, challenge or extraordinary uh, uh, moment where where you could do something to to paint a whole whole building mm. uh, that's not happening very often <laughs> uh, and when i was there i didn't i mean i mean the thing was there it was um a competition so I at first just just applied with a few sketches and then I said well in case you want that I can only give an indication what it is I'm not a designer who makes in a design stage the final the the final decisions uh, and I can only give you an idea what I do and they I mean they were very brave to accept that and then I I then went there and did a I would call it a mini residency there, spent spend some time, stayed in the hotel opposite, could see the building, whatever, oh, from great. The hotel room. And, and that's what I often mean, this this kind of physical taking in a building is, is is for me quite essential. And it's the thing I very much, or I most enjoy in that process of designing something. Um, and I, I mean, of course, the... Let's say the, the 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 biggest challenge was to do something outside and then to think as well it's very, very public
0: mm. uh,
1: and it becomes immediately a public art piece and I think it it turned the whole building into a sculpture, and in doing so, I think it turned whole Eastbourne into a gallery yeah because I think when when people pass or um, I mean we were as well we had lots of responses from the public and we were we were talking about it a few times as well and I think which was really overwhelming was from how many aspects of life people were responding in their own way to the work I mean because I mean as going back to the thing that I said which I often like is that that you that you Cannot only read that a wall painting as a kind of abstract painting, but you can you can make different references to or um, to color, or you can mm-hmm. have different readings. So we had in in Eastbourne, it was really fascinating how people just looked at the color as color without thinking this is in a museum now. I mean, the moment it's on the street, I think people they. They have a they 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 have a different what's 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 the word take on on it, or they hmm. they they can in some way um, make it part of their own life. I mean, there were people who said, "Oh, when I go to work, I now go around a different corner because I want to pass that building." And yeah. and suddenly you t- you can take ownership of some colours because it's it's outside. Uh, and and that was quite great, I mean, uh, and and I, I think Towner was the perfect example where it really worked that that pe- that people could have a very different reading of it, and from all different um, backgrounds. I mean, yeah, I mean, this was from from I think very young children over to teenagers to uh, people in in the middle of their life, or and to as well elderly people who all kind of responded very strong to, to, yeah. to, the, to the piece.
0: Yeah. Um, ha, as, as well as sort of standing in front of the space, absorbing the space um, and paying attention to its, the aesthetics of the space, so you know, if you, if you see a, a as you're saying, a crack or something utilizing that, do you ever, how theoretical do you get? Does it ever go into the research of the history of the building? Or um, it, it, does the site specificity extend to the sort of the, the conceptual histories of a, of, a, of a building
1: as well? Um, yes, it, it, it sometimes does. I mean, it didn't do that much now with the towner because it's a fairly new building and, the, and it's an art gallery where... Uh, yeah that had one purpose and it was built 10 years ago so i i really focused there yes. on the on the on the architecture and because it has a very striking facade with these mm. curves and and then that aspect that it's outside but mm. i have done quite i mean if i do a project now in a building which really had a diverse history then it can become quite important Mm-hmm. and i i mean i mean if i do things uh, i mean i 've done lots of projects in really public buildings i mean which were not really art buildings, and then or it, it can become quite important um, but it 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 really varies i mean i have I have done some projects which i 've approached quite formally, then sometimes I did projects where really this the the social use became very important i mean like for instance when i did the two project for the love festival at the south bank center a few years ago yeah i did that floor piece on the claw ballroom in <clears throat> in the uh, royal festival hall and there it was a very simple idea of of um circles and it, the idea came from the ballroom and it was a clear response of that, that there are so many different activities happening in that and it needed to be a piece which which responds or which, which works when the space is crowded with thousands of people or if it's empty. <laughs> and there it was really less my own thing um, about an aesthetic or, or formal, but that, that became very important. Uh, or I I have done works which are far more minimal, um, and where where the where the social history. I mean, I've done things in Bauhaus buildings. I've done things in mm. in uh, um, in Germany in a few buildings where it was heavy history involved. And then I used that. I included then as well sometimes some writings in a building or something I found or did. Sometimes really research, um, but that was then mainly when I found out that that there was something specific with the with the history of the building.
0: Right, right, um, and also your color palettes are so bold and, and joyful. I find, and um, do you select colors using? Uh, is that wrapped up in the in the process? Um, of the of experiencing the site and the research of history is a colour also a part of that process
1: well yeah i mean there are these two aspects so the the one is more the the formal one or the the aspect to respond to a building and what what kind of painting is when doing them and then it's of course as well me bringing the colour into it uh, which is where I always say this is, of course, quite a personal response, and mm. there is nothing where I say uh, there is not a right or a wrong response to a building. It's very personal, and I, I put on. Um, I've sometimes described that as, as an as an abstract layer, or or it's like a color layer which gets put into that space or or onto that space, and then uh, that combination between the the formal aspects of the building and then these these shapes of color they create something new or they create a space which is even if if the building let's say has has a very social function there is this moment of i think color creates its own space and it's a kind of abstract space it for me color has no it's fairly neutral with this it's not judgmental it doesn't mm. a color is a color i mean colors of course are used, they become symbols, I mean, very much so, or colour can can mean something quite specific when they become part of a flag. I mean, of course, yeah. let's say colour red has lots of political meaning uh, there. I mean, in, in certain aspects, like, let's say, in. I mean, I did once a, a piece in, in Derry, in Northern Ireland, mm. and there suddenly colour, I realised, how what a political meaning color there has
0: gosh absolutely
1: uh, and then, yeah and then of course you it, it it's slightly different but in but in general i think a color is has as well a, i think a color has an extreme strong um uh power a little bit like like words and i think sometimes i mean sometimes i see a few colors together like a poem or or like a piece of writing or like a sentence um which i, I mean i think a, a yellow without being now descriptive or or I'm, I'm not working along um let's say color theories and or mm. I'm, i mean i mean like there are there are all these color theories what, what they what they could do or what what a yellow colour that although I know it from from when I was a student we of course did have that but I'm I believe there in this um, in this directness and independence for me colour is a lot about freedom and I, I love that mm-hmm. um, and that it's in some way it doesn't it's not, it's not, I mean, apart from these moments when it's becoming political, it's it's without, it, it's not heavy loaded. So yes. it's accessible to a lot of people. And I think colour exists and has similar uh, connotations, has similar uh, meanings in lots of different cultures. I think around the whole world, people are using colours. And it is something which is very, I think, can com- can unite us all because it's I, I mean I think if you take all other meanings away, if we look at a red or if we look at a blue or if we look at a yellow it it awakes similar feelings, i think to nearly
0: everybody probably mm. and so when you were working in Derry, would you say for instance the the uh, red, white, and blue of the British flag and the uh, Green, white, and orange of the Irish flag. Uh, did you choose to consciously incorporate those colours, or did you reject them so as to not politicise? Because obviously, the streets in Northern Ireland, in those kinds of places, are filled with flags, and the the cobblestones, I know, get painted those different colours um, yeah. as well. So, do do you did you did you incorporate, or did you? Um,
1: well, it did. It did. It did influence what I could do heavily. I mean, I, I went to um, uh, when I went there first for my site visit, and then when I when I started to work on the, on the piece, I only realized and suddenly th- there's something happened. I couldn't look neutrally at color any longer when I was there because I mm. I mean I mean the the curators or people probably told me and they said. Um, I mean, nobody told me you can't use these (laughs) colors, but but you get that sense immediately that it means something, and it becomes weird. I mean, you you immediately you you look at colors in a different way. I then, in the end, tried to avoid that because I thought I really didn't want to make a political statement. Yeah, Uh, and then I I used in the end brown and yellow, and thought it's fairly safe. Um, and did something, these two colours, you know, I mean painted that in that space and even then most, most people who came, I mean the uh, uh, I can remember the director of the gallery then said "Oh, Lota, everybody reads it politically and you make a, po-. and I said oh I didn't want to make a political <laughs> statement and then I realised it's not just me who can't escape that whatever you probably do, um, it's it's in that, it's trapped in that framework suddenly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a that tough was, task. <laughs> yeah, it was quite quite difficult because I, I didn't want that. But, but I mean, I think, uh, but I mean, I, I have this in, I mean, when I, for instance, I mean, when you look at, when when I do a, uh, let's say I, I start on a project, then I decide I have then our pink and green,
0: mm.
1: and I concentrate on that, then suddenly, I see pink and green in my daily environment different because you either you focus on it or then suddenly you see it everywhere and it shifts, your perception shifts. And I think the moment something is in a political context, I think the perception of color shifts a little bit as well. I mean, I think you can probably escape it when you then, then or get around it when you use lots of colors. I mean, I had that more, I did projects for hospitals and they had this I mean like I did I did a piece for Bart's Hospital once it was a it was a huge banner and there you get these briefing notes where people then at first they they look at color uh, of course from a more medical or a different aspect where they say uh, could you and I got this whole list of p- colors to avoid uh, and there right. it, it was so much that I said well if I avoid all these colors i can 't actually do a work, uh, and maybe I should just do um, a sketch now. Maybe these colours do not me- do not have that meaning when they are together, and that was then as well the case. But mm. I think when one looks at when, when one separates a color, uh, then of course suddenly. A pink or a brown or, or black something can become a skin color, or let's say mm. yeah, a red can become a revolutionary flag, or mm-hmm. a blue is suddenly uh, <laughs> a <color. laughs> Tory party, <laughs> and, and so so it's quite it, it's it can be quite strange.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I guess that must be something um, that, that there must be a challenge for artists that work in your way that are very much engaging with the public space. Um, just because of, as you said, the the public almost become part of the uh, the installation or the site specific work when they're when they're standing in front of it or viewing it. So um, it, it's very relational in that sense to the viewer, um, and naturally, therefore, you might run into these challenges more so than say someone working uh, in abstract oil paints onto a onto canvas privately um, in their studio. Um, if you don't mind me asking, my if this is definitely my ignorance here, and just because I'm kind of fascinated, technically, how are the straight lines achieved across such huge spaces that bend over corners, for instance? Um, uh, te- technically, how is that done? Uh, well, technically, normally, I let's say indoors
1: or in most projects, it's done with masking tape. Right. So you paint one. Shape of color, and you tape that, and then you 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 have to tape over that again, and then you you paint the next shape. I mean, it's all the all the. I mean, the first step of the wall paintings is is doing a line drawing, and then it's basically taped along these lines. Yeah. Uh, with with curved walls like where we had the towner and where it was outside it was different. Uh, the big challenge was for everybody who painted on them on the mural that we had to do that uh, without tape so basically these all these lines were done with a um, with a snap line and because it was curved it was quite difficult to do that um, and the guys who did that, I mean, there was a whole team who did that. They, they had to basically hold that tape, uh, uh, that, that that string, which was a chalk string, onto the wall nearly and snap it then meter by meter. And Whoa. the big lines there on the towner, because it was outside and so windy, were done by hand.
0: Wow, oh my God. It must be incredible. I, I, I struggle to get the uh, lines on my skirting boards <laughs> straight, so <laughs> this is incredible to me. Um, uh, Lothar, thank you so much for chatting with me this morning. Um, as I said, I, I really adore your work and uh, and it's been fascinating to get a deeper insight into it. Um, and I, I will be looking out for it when we can finally start moving about the country again, um, for sure.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, no, th- no. I enjoyed chatting very much to you. Thanks. Thanks very much. Right. Um, you know, um, I know I have still a lot of preparation work to do here. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not bored. but I, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to being able to go outside and, and do something physically again. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. And just quickly, where can our listeners find out more about your work and what you're getting up to? Uh. Well, you, the,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm represented by with two galleries. I have one gallery here in London, Domobal. Uh, she has a website that are, uh, that, that, that's fairly updated all the time, mm. or I have worked with a gallery, Petra Rink Gallery in Dusseldorf as well, so they can find things there, or they can find probably a bit more is on my Instagram, which is Lothar Gertz. Um yes. and I'm posting there fairly regularly. Um, a bit an insight into my studio practice sometimes work in progress uh sometimes things which inspire me um and then as well f- uh, finished works
0: oh fabulous i'll well i'll definitely be keeping um up to date myself as i'm sure many of our listeners will be doing also um well I, I wish you all the best and take care and look after your loved ones and all of that sort of stuff as well um and yeah thanks for chatting with me today yeah. Yes,
1: thanks as well. uh, Same as well.
0: Today's episode was brought to you by Art on a Postcard. You're listening to Series Three A Colourful Summer, all about our upcoming summer auction between the 25th of June and the 9th of July. You can bid for all artworks online, and each work starts at just £50. As always, all proceeds go towards the Hepatitis C Trust and their campaign to eliminate the virus by 2025. If you're liking the podcast, please do like, subscribe, share and tell all your friends about it. It all helps to get the word out and it all comes back to the hard work and efforts of the charity. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful week.